very good morning to you on Fellowship Day 287. What I want to do for you right away today, quite unusually for the podcast, for the first time actually, is to play for you a very short snippet, a replay if you will, from a previous episode, Day 201, Criticism Ain't All That Bad. Here it is. But criticism has nowadays somewhat become entirely aligned with one side of the coin that the word criticism actually represents in full. The other side of that coin are the points of constructive criticism, the positive aspects where someone is saying, I get what you are trying to do here. I I think I see where you're trying to go. Maybe this little bit isn't working just now. Maybe there's something else you can try. Or have you considered actually looking at the problem through this lens rather than the one that you're presenting here? And that is someone taking the kindness of their time out of their day, more often than not without you ever asking for that time, to say, have a think about this and then review for yourself how complete you think this particular project or offering actually is. So what you may remember me talking about then, and it doesn't matter if you heard it the first time or not, but for everyone, I was talking quite abstractly then, quite ethereally, (laughs) quite mysteriously, about a certain aspect of my uh, book project for You Are Not A Fraud, which is still under editorial review at the time I'm putting out this podcast. At the time that I put out the previous episode, what I had done was to email everyone in my newsletter about the fact that the book was forthcoming. And to do that, of course, I used what was the working book cover at the time and rather unexpectedly as I did mention in the previous episode of the podcast so I was talking about the the positive and the negative aspects of criticism and how the positive aspects of criticism often get overshadowed by um, all of us sticking the negative connotations of criticism uh, up front first and foremost heavily weighted Um, overcasting anything positive my goodness that was a long parenthesis wasn't it but anyway at that time I was talking about the the pleasant surprise of hearing some people come forward after sharing that announcement about about the book getting towards its mature stages of editorial review those in the newsletter those on social media saw the working iteration of the book cover now That's actually what I want to talk about today. This episode is about criticism once again, but it's a little bit of a bonus in that I want to focus and give you the detail behind that previous episode to talk about the book cover, to talk about the process of actually not just saying nice things about how criticism can be positive, but to share a little bit of the struggle and the action that I've taken since receiving that constructive criticism on what the book cover 
once was. Now, I've said a lot there about describing it. And uh, for those who might find some sensitive subject matter on mental health a little bit more triggering, I'll offer this warning now. If if you don't want to keep listening, if you don't want to take the risk of hearing something that you don't want to hear uh, or don't want to remind you of anything in your own life, then please do switch off now. I don't mean to offend anyone. By the same cord, we have to be able to speak about these difficult things um, and I don't want to, to shy away from it. I, I don't want to sweep it under the carpet. I'm offering that warning up front wholeheartedly, sincerely, to give those the chance who won't see how genuine I'm trying to be, the chance to switch off now. I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I am trying to have a sincere and frank conversation. Now, all of those uh, quite dry caveats and disclaimers up front, coming to the cover itself, You Are Not a Fraud, was first designed with that uh, with that title. There was an iteration before it, but focusing on this title, You Are a Fraud is in red text. You'll see that in forthcoming publications about the book. And the word not is rather obscured such that you need to almost double take to see it. And the messaging there, of course, is that the immediate reaction that we often have for those of us who have imposter experiences is to think that we are a fraud. It's only with more direct, more considered, more focused vision on the same message that we eventually can show ourselves that the word not is actually there, that we are not frauds. That bit is fine. That bit is, at this point, immovable. That is the main message I want to get across to everyone. The subtitle is of a similar bent in that on the cover design itself, the word phenomenon isn't uh, ingrained in the main title, but is actually written as if to be a correction. Uh, the word syndrome is scribbled out, phenomenon put in its place. And it's to help seed that message that the word, uh, the term imposter syndrome has become part of the, the social consciousness, but it was never ever coined that way. The, the imposter experience was first coined the imposter phenomenon and indeed has been encouraged to be talked about as experience or experiences by those who first researched the topic. And some point along the way, you know, several popular magazine articles later, the word syndrome being easier to say than phenomenon and being more foreboding captures more attention and um, has uh, became the runaway term once upon a time from the mid eighties onwards. So the title, has a message, the subtitle has a message. The point of criticism was largely nothing to do with either of those things. I've come a long way to warm up to tell you about what was actually the main point of constructive criticism, and that was on the symbology on the front cover. There's all of that text, all carefully colored and managed and typeset, but the symbol in the middle of the book was that of a brain made out of rope 
And at the bottom of that brain made of rope was a hanging part of the rope, at the end of which was a noose. And so the the symbol there was as if to depict the, the brain makes a noose for itself, that we, with our thought processes, can lead ourselves to dark places. The reason I went for that symbology was amongst many, many designs that were pitched for the book when I first put out the brief about what sort of thing I wanted. A lot of the themes that I put out for the designers were around mental health, imposter phenomenon, of course, mental struggles, self-sabotage, self-doubt. And among many, many designs, a lot of which were quite obviously mask-based, um, any other book you'll have seen on the imposter phenomenon has a mask on it. And to be quite frank, I was bored to tears of seeing it. So I wanted something different. Uh, I'm not trying to write a book like all the others that are out there. I'm trying to put my own original research and contribution out there and my own story. So I didn't want a mask, so that was out. There was others there about, you know, seeing yourself physically in one light as a hero, let's say, but the shadow cast on the wall is as is of a monster haunting you. So there's almost a sort of Jekyll and Hyde aspect to it. So those were interesting, but still not quite packing the punch that I wanted. And it was only when I scrolled through the designs and saw, eventually saw the the brain noose, that it made me stop in my tracks. It made me think, it made me really contemplate that, yeah, there is certainly a lot that is written in this book that's to do with making a rod for my own back and that we make for our own backs. And and this was a far more dark and provocative version of that assessment, the brain noose, the thing that makes you being the thing that can break you as well. But principally, you know, uh, beyond just being captured by it, there's an entire chapter of this book that explores uh, the topic of self-harm and, and, and even suicide as has been one of the things that can happen in the stories that I've found on the imposter phenomenon. And so it was because that sort of symbol, more than being challenging or provocative or, or eye-catching, it was m more than that, it captured the, the entire essence of a chapter of this book. That's why I chose it in the end. It's chapter six of the book where I talk a lot about social comparison, how we compare ourselves to each other, the mechanisms that can lead to those comparisons and you know the, the darker side of these mental health challenges that can play out as symptoms of those comparisons. That's, that's where the essence of that symbol lies. So it is in part of the book. It's there with, or it was there, I should say, with genuine intent. And although in what I've just said, the little Freudian slip has maybe given the spoiler as to what comes next, I'll explain in a second where we're at with the book cover. But uh, anything that comes forward is not for me to say, like I said at the start, I'm not sweeping any of this under the rug. I'm not, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm just replacing it in a different place. I'll use it differently to what I originally intended. I was trying wholeheartedly not to lose the reasons why I chose it in the first place. Uh, and this is all the while saying that with me 
as you can tell in the way that I'm stumbling along here, struggling to use the criticism, but trying my damnedest to do so. So the cover was mostly fine, but on three separate occasions now, I've had people come forward to me privately with love, with care, to share challenging stories about why that cover symbology might not work for everyone. And, and as genuine as it might be, it might simply turn people away from consuming the book and, quite frankly, judge the book by its cover and judge it in such a way as to walk away from it without giving it a chance. Now, I don't want to say much about who came forward or, or what it was that they said, but if any of you are listening, you know how thankful I am that you came forward at all. But I don't, I don't want to say who it was because not everyone was talking about themselves. They were sharing stories about either them or people in their immediate network. So it's not my place to share the details of that other than to say there was more than one person out there who kindly came forward to say that that type of self-harm based symbology might not have been the best choice to make. So I took that on board and the way that we've gone about that, what I really want to cover in the second half of what you can tell is going to be a, a slightly longer podcast this morning is how I went about actioning that feedback, not retaliating to it, not taking offence at it, but thinking, how could I take that as the point of an experiment? And how that manifests when it comes to book covers and preparing to pitch a book most appropriately for the audience you're trying to serve is to do what's known in the industry as A-B testing. Now, it's known as A-B testing in for testing book covers, but A-B testing is uh, more generally a, a well-known marketing tool to experiment with various forms, visual forms, uh, written forms, and see what lands best, what grabs people's attention, what gets engagement, what, what leads to that message then being shared on. So A-B testing for book covers is part of that more general marketing toolkit and in this case a b testing yes of course there's a bit of a marketing element to it uh, i don't want to write a book and then no one to read it but in this case it played two roles rather than one because it was also allowing me to experiment with that feedback and to get a broader base of feedback on the basis of what those people had kindly alerted to me in private messages so how did that work there was the, the cover with the brain noose on it as cover A. And I thought about various versions of what cover B could be. So there was one that I used that just had a simple etching of a brain. So no particular symbology other than it's a brain. Uh, another element taking out the, the brain noose and not replacing it with a brain, but replaced it with a mask. So the more, let's say, typical symbology that you might find on a book to do with the imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon. So there was various tests like that where I put the original cover on an image and right next to it, the alternative cover and labeled them A and B. And through emails, through WhatsApp messages, through Twitter messages, through Instagram stories, through LinkedIn posts, I put 
these alternative covers out on a single image a versus b and simply asked what captures your attention more is it a or is it b and a lot of the comments came back to either just say one or the other a or b and and give an idea of you know, what was getting people to stop and actually look at the cover first and foremost and then some people would even go a step further and to add a comment or to say something else and it was actually during one such a b test that the third of the three people who had detailed worries and constructive criticism to say and to contribute a story behind why the brain nurse might not be the best way to go that was it was during these tests that the third of those people came forward to say so and that's what really got me over the line with saying right I really need to explore this much more fully than I, I first thought I should and so the AB tests continued the brain nurse was there the brain etching was there the mask was there and as that played out it became clear that something along the lines of the the brain rather than the mask and the, the color of the rope rather than the greys and the etchings of the brain or the mask, the, the the browns and the golds of the the brain were winning out. Many people on balance did say that they actually preferred the brain noose, but many others just simply didn't like the alternative. So there was a wide range of opinions there. Not all of them in agreement with those who came forward, but at the same time, not all of them qualifying uh, why they would say one or the other. So it led me down the path. It led me to say that, okay, maybe some variation on this golden brain rope idea is in the right ballpark, but it's just not quite hitting the nail in the head. It's not quite resonating as positively and provocatively as it should rather than negatively and provocatively as it currently is. And so with that, I tried to stick with the uh, the original cover but think then okay is there a variation on this brain noose idea that captures the essence of our brains being our best friend and worst enemy but doesn't manifest it in quite specific a way as to to leads one to think directly of suicide so with that thought, then uh, after a bit of searching and, and looking and contacting the same artist who had produced the noose, I found a fantastic alternative, which actually is what I landed on in the end and what further A-B testing with the kindness of those who reached out helped confirm was a really great way to go. And that was rather than having the brain in the noose, it was once again a brain composed of rope, but at the end of the rope, there was a heavy anchor. And the brain is trying to pull itself forward, but the anchor is weighing it down, pulling it back. And that, whilst I think still capturing the, the brain as its best friend and worst enemy, it wasn't simply to avoid the notion of suicide, which I'm not stripping out of the book. The, the stories behind that are still there. But I think in the end, that whole exercise actually read, led me to see that this alternative symbology actually did a better job at capturing the fullness of all the different ways that our brains can be our best friend and our worst enemy. Uh, and instead of covering one very specific element, one specific chapter of the book, that new symbology 
and as I talk about it going forward, will help tell the story of all the chapters of the book and how that theme emerges through all the chapters in the book in a different way to reveal a different element of the imposter phenomenon. And so altogether, that brain with the anchor has become the symbology. The title, You Are Not a Fraud, remains. And the subtitle is now, rather than me trying to wax lyrical and call it a memoir, it is now a scientist's guide to the imposter phenomenon. So all in, what today has been a podcast about part two of the theme of criticism and how positive it can be, it's been now a consideration to take that further and think, okay, I have the awareness that criticism can be as positive as we often assume negative, but how then do I act on that? How can any of us go beyond tipping the hat to the kindness of criticism and actually get off our heels and onto our toes to do something about it? In this case, me doing something about it was taking all of that feedback and constructing the A-B tests to eventually lead to a book cover that I'm much happier with. And I've since received feedback on from those who provided the original challenge to the first cover um, to say that they, they're grateful that I, I took the time to do that test and are excited to see the new cover. All in, it's been an amazingly revealing exercise, an insightful one for me, one that's helped me get out of my own head, one that's helped me challenge my own biases and and make sure I don't spit the dummy and simply retaliate and, and be defensive by taking on that challenge of being open to the criticism. I've ended up in a place that I'm happier with than where I began. And now I try to imagine where would I be if I had simply assumed that the original decision on the cover that I made was the right one. So just as we recovered in day 201, I prompt you again and I wonder, where's the criticism that you're playing with at the moment? And what could you do to actually take a step forward, to walk the walk rather than talk the talk? Thanks for staying with me a little bit longer than usual this morning. If you're interested in the book and and want to support it, you can head along to my website book page, which is dr-mark-read.com forward slash book. You'll find uh, ways to get your name on the, the the list before the book comes out. You'll find ways to buy the book once it goes live. And you'll find a whole lot of free resources that I try to keep adding to that page as well, uh, including seminars uh, and interviews. So thanks once again for being with me. That was more of a challenging one this morning. Thanks for your patience as I, I rambled through it. But as ever, this was unscripted uh, and I felt like I owed it to everyone who helped contribute to that book cover test to say more about it and to give you this part two on criticism. Take care, be well. And have a great day. I'll see you again soon for another episode of the Read Indeed podcast. 
if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head over to the website where not only will you find the written blog versions of these podcasts, you'll find my leadership blog series and information about my book on managing the imposter phenomenon. We also have even more free resources linked to the YouTube channel. So head on over to dr-mark-read.com. That's dr-mark with a C dash r-e-i-d dot com thanks again for listening <laughs>